But let's begin with a word of prayer as we look at our message this morning. As it was, so shall it be. Jesus says it twice in Luke chapter 17. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. And then he says, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. And I believe we're living in that time. And we're going to delve into the word of God and pray that God would give us insight and wisdom. There's three messages that I'm going to preach. This is the first one. As it was, so shall it be. The second message, and I pray that you'll come back. We're going to share a message entitled, Seeking the Best for Myself. And then on Sunday morning, we're going to look at the message, Remember Lot's Wife. What did Jesus mean when he said, Remember Lot's Wife? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we invite the presence of your spirit now in a special way. I pray that you will just calm our minds and still our inner spirits. Give us the ability to focus in on the things that you would have us to focus on. And Lord, I pray that as you aid me in lifting up the cross of Calvary, that Jesus Christ may be seen and experienced And maybe for the first time, someone will experience salvation in Jesus Christ. Be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Growing up, and that's me in the middle there, I gave my heart to the Lord when my uncle, and I'll tell you this, my uncle Greg said that he never did this. So it might have been an angel. He said, David, this never happened. I do not recall this taking place. And I said, yes, you came into the room and these were the words that you said to me. And so he walked into the room and he I was about 11 years old and he walked into my bedroom and he said these words. David, if Jesus Christ came today, where do you think you would spend eternity? And he walked out. At that point in my life, I wasn't going to church. Uh, I wasn't a seventh day Adventist. My grandmother was. And as a child, my grandmother often would bring me to something called VBS, Vacation Bible School. Vacation Bible School works. <laughs> okay, and so she would <clears throat> ask my mother if it was okay if she could bring her children, my mother's children, to VBS. And so what I did was my mother said yes, and so my grandmother would take me to Vacation Bible School. And oftentimes I would hear about the second coming of Christ. And uh, I remember that they would be reading from Matthew chapter 24. So when my uncle said, where do you think you would spend eternity? I remember what I learned in vacation Bible school and I started to read in Matthew chapter 24. And I became very concerned. And so I went to bed that night and it wasn't by chance. It was a Friday evening when he said that. And so the only church that I knew about was the... Seventh-day Adventist Church, because my grandmother had uh, introduced me to the Seventh-day Adventist Church by bringing me to vacation Bible school. Are you following me? Okay. So I get up the next morning, get dressed. I'm 11 years old, and uh, I think you can tell by the accent, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. And so uh, my mother, and this is no fault of hers, just let me get up. I was dressed up as best as I could. She said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to church. She said, to church? Where? And I said, you know, uh, down on Bushwick Avenue, uh, there's a Seventh-day Adventist church, the Mount of Olives, and I'm going. She said, okay. And so I went to church. I enjoyed my time in church. I came back home at 11 years old, 
And I went up to my room, and my mother said, uh, aren't you going to come down and engage with us? I said, today's the Sabbath, and you guys are engaging in things that I just don't want to do today. But something took place that week because, you know, the sun went down, I lived my life that week, and the next Saturday morning, as I was getting ready to go to church again, I saw my siblings sitting on the couch dressed, and I said, where are you guys going? They said, we're going with you. And they joined me to church that Sabbath. And one thing led to the next, and my siblings and I became baptized. And it took a little while, but then my mother was baptized. We all became Seventh-day Adventists. The second coming of Jesus Christ was something. It was a theme that stirred my heart when I was asked a question. Where would you be if Jesus Christ came today what's your answer where would you spend eternity you see this question of the Lord's coming second coming remains something that drew me and it became something that I heard throughout my childhood we've been hearing about the Lord's second coming for a long time haven't we And we must be honest, I believe some of us, we asked a question. So where is the promise of his coming? Have you ever felt that way? I have, I'm going to be honest with you. Growing up in New York, sometimes, you know, this thrive and excitement for the Lord wears out. It can wear off. And the world can appeal to you, it did it for me. For a while, and I ask that question sometimes. Where is the promise of his coming? But you know that in 2 Peter 3, 9, it says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some people count slackness, but the Lord is long-suffering towards usward. You know why? He's not willing that any should perish. Isn't that beautiful? God doesn't want anyone to perish. But that all would come to what? Repentance. That's why the Lord (laughs) delays his coming. Because every single person on the face of planet Earth, he does not want a single one to perish. Isn't that beautiful? The Lord is merciful. So I was excited about my newfound relationship with Jesus at age 11. I was expecting the coming of Jesus Christ to happen very soon. Because at Adventist, right, we always proclaim the three angels' messages. And yet he didn't come. I'm going to fast forward because what happened over my lifetime was I, uh, I spent some time in the world. And then I went to school. I got my uh, associate's degree in medical lab technology, a bachelor's in religion and theology, a master's of divinity, and even a doctorate degree. And still waiting <laughs> for Jesus Christ to come. And if you remember this in 2000, remember the year 2000? Who was here when they, when they talked about the Y2K scare? Right? We all sat back and we were wondering, right, if when that time shift from 1999 to 2000, that the world would come to an end. Were you part of that expectation? Were you saying it might happen? That computer glitch might just and things would just become chaotic. 
And then what about 9-11? you remember 9-11? 9-11. I know where I was, and I bet you know where you were. I was, actually, I was, had just moved from the East Coast to where I was in Wisconsin. That's a whole new, that's a whole story. I can't tell you too many stories because I am limited in time. If, if, if you tell me this, yes, I can tell you a story, it adds about five minutes to my sermon. Can I tell a story? You can't say yes, because if you do, then I'm up here longer. But I will tell you this. The Lord called me to Wisconsin. It was miraculous. Because I went from being on the East Coast, asking the Lord to send me anywhere, and him sending, fast-forwarding my resume to a conference president who gave me a call about coming to Wisconsin. And my response to him was, how did you hear about me? And he says, well, you sent me two resumes. So I thought you were very interested. I said, I didn't send you a thing. You see, when God wants to move you, God moves you, doesn't he? And so there I was in Wisconsin, 2000 of May. It was actually in May of 2001 that I moved to Wisconsin. This happened in September of 2001. And there I was. I was the chaplain, uh, spiritual ministry director, pastor that ran Seventh-day Adventist Church. And then we all know about this, right? The coronavirus that has turned the world, right, for a spin, since last year, and people have been wondering, well, where is the promise of his coming? Men's heart are now failing for fear for things that are coming upon, upon the earth. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, tells us that as things would take place and unfold on the face of planet earth, and you can read there with me, this is what Jesus said Will take place. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man would hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and dine with him and he with me. Jesus, as he wrote the letters to the churches, the seven letters of the churches, you always, you often hear him say that if they don't repent, that what will happen to their candlestick? It will go out. And for, and for some reason, we as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we believe that the light's not going to go out in our own personal lives. And we can behave and live like we want to. And we believe that the light will keep what? Shining. No, that's not true. We have to stay connected to Jesus for the light not to stop shining. Just the other day, as I was on my way here, this, this long drive here, I was sitting, as I was continuing to prepare for this message, I was sitting sitting at the hotel room very early in the morning, about 5 o'clock in the morning. I left my room, and I was sitting in the dining. Well, not the dining hall, but the lounge. And there I sat in Ohio, and that's where we were. And I sat there in the lounge. I was looking over my notes. A lady just walked in, and I kind of looked, and she waved, and she took some of the newspapers and put new ones there. So she was delivering the newspaper for the hotel. And she walked out. Another gentleman came down. He had his bags. And he put them down. He kind of ding, 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 trying to get the person who was working the front desk to come so he could check out. He looked at me. He waved. He walked past. And I sat there. The Holy Spirit told me, you need to start praying for these people. And as I began to pray and the Lord stirred my heart, you know what he said to me? He said, man, this world is fast going downhill and time is running out. 
And people are just walking to and fro. And he said, you better start praying for these people. They need the Lord. You know, the Lord has given us commission. The Lord has given us commission. And I want you to follow this thought. Jesus said these words in verse 18, Matthew 28, verse 18. He says, all authority has been given in me on what? In heaven and on earth. And then he tells God's people, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, right? He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And then he said these words, lo, who is with you? He says, I am with you, what? Always, even until the end of the earth. Now, listen to what Jesus is doing here. First he says, all authority has been given unto me, right? And then he says, go and I will be with you, what? Always, even until the end of the world. So if Jesus has all authority and he's with me, I'm under what type of authority? Jesus' authority and he has what? All authority. So if Jesus has all authority and he sends me out to wherever he sends me, should I fear about it? Should I fear anything? Should I be concerned? Should I be worried? Or should I just go? And in a minute, I'm going to share with you something that is, that is crucial to the work of God in these last days. But I'll preface uh, uh, this with this statement. We as a people are not going. Are you following me? We think we're going, but we're not going. We're not making disciples. Many of us, you know what we're doing? We're sending some money to 3ABN and hoping that they'll go. And my neighbor doesn't even know about Jesus Christ. Are you following me? Some of you are looking at me like, where are you from? I'm just being candid and just honest with you. We're not going. And part of it, and I'm going to read to you some statements from Spirit of Prophecy, part of it is because oftentimes the people at the helm, they're holding us back. They're saying, hey, you can't go just yet. He said, but the Lord is sending me to go. No, not just that. Let me tell you how to go. Let me tell you how to get there. Are you following me? I hope you are. You see, in the early church, Jesus had told the early church, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be witness to me in Jerusalem and Judea and and." Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the Holy Spirit took a place, took hold of the early church. Do you believe me? Oh, yes, he did. Because they, were, they submitted themselves to the work of the Holy Spirit. And one thing that is visibly absent from God's people and God's church is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Early on, it did. The Holy Spirit, as it took control of the church in Acts chapter 2 it says the Lord added daily such as those shall, that would be saved and then it tells us that thousands upon thousands joined the church in Acts chapter 2 and then Acts chapter 4 it said four more thousand in a short period of time are you following me? it didn't say five people or eight people it said in two chapters over 7,000 people joined the church 
Because God's people were filled with the Holy, Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us throughout the New Testament that this gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, was going throughout the whole world. Listen, look, look what it says in Colossians 1, 22 and 23. And this is uh, Paul speaking. He says, and you who once were alienated enemies in your mind by wicked works, now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue the faith, grounded and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven. Did you hear what just Paul just said? The gospel was moving, wasn't it? Of which I call Paul became a minister. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 1.8. First, I thank God through Jesus Christ for you all and through your faith. And excuse me, that your faith is spoken of throughout where? That's incredible, isn't it? And when those two disciples that walk into that city said, these are the men that have changed, that have turned the world upside down. What do people say when they see you and me coming? To what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 1 8, he says, For from you the word of the Lord has sounded not forth not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also where? In every place. Wow. Your faith toward God has gone out so that you do not need to say anything. Whoa. Isn't that amazing? Do we have that type of presence and power of God's spirit that people are hearing about us all over the place? And when we walk into a room, we don't even have to say anything. They say, there he is. The child of God. And he is here. This is some powerful stuff. Would you agree? Would you agree that we need the Holy Spirit? Spirit-filled men boldly and lovingly fulfilled the gospel commission in the early church. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Go and make disciples. We must acknowledge and admit that in general, I'm not speaking in particular because I know some people are being moved by the Spirit, but in general, we are a spiritless church. Some of us care more about our own homes and possessions than the work of God. Some of us care more about the carpet in the church than the work of God. Some of us care more about our academies and our, and our universities. And I'm not saying that these are bad places, but we, we're so focused on, on things instead of pleading for the Spirit of God. And we've been given the commission to go and make disciples. Listen to what we're told. Desire of Ages, page 672. Christ has promised the gift of the Holy Spirit to his church, and the promise belongs to us as much as to the what? First disciples. But like every other promise, it is given on, what's the next word? Conditions. There are many who believe and profess to claim the Lord's promise. They talk about Christ and about the Holy Spirit, yet receive no benefit. They do not surrender the soul, are you following me, to be guided and controlled by the divine agencies. That's how I ended up in Wisconsin. Yeah. 
Do you know that prior to that conference, president telling me that he uh, he received two resumes that I said I didn't send you any. I had been on my knees four days prior, and I said, Lord, I'll I'll go anywhere. You just send me. But I followed by this, and I believe the Lord has a sense of humor. I said, but just send me to a warm place, will you? (laughs) And he sent me. And if you are to, some of you are Googlers, Google, warmest winters in Wisconsin, 2001, the year that I went. The Lord said, I'll keep it warm for a year. Some of the greatest places, of, but the great, but some of the greatest ministry that I've done has been where? Guess where? In Wisconsin. We've got to be willing to be directed by the Lord, right? Now, watch this. We cannot use the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is to use us through the Spirit. God works in His people to willing to do of His good pleasure. But many will not submit to this. We want to do our own pleasure. Not God's pleasure. They want to manage themselves. This is why they do not receive the heavenly gift. Because we want to do what? We want to manage ourselves. Only to those who wait humbly upon God. Who watch for his guidance and grace. is the spirit given. The power of God awaits demand and reception. And then she goes on to say, this promised blessing claimed by faith brings all blessing in its train. It's given according to the riches of the grace of Christ, and he is ready to supply every soul. Did you you catch that? He is ready to supply to how many people? Every soul, according to the capacity to receive. This promise, blessing, claimed by faith, brings all other blessing in his train. It is given according to the riches of the grace of Christ, and he is ready to supply every to every soul according to the capacity to do what? Receive. But the only way we can have the capacity we just read is that what self has to be surrendered. Self has to be moved out of the way, and we must be willing to submit to God anything and everything that we have. And the next time we meet, I'm going to share with you a story of how in 2015 we, trans, we transitioned and God was calling through my wife. Because my wife said, David, it's time for us to go full time into and, and, and stop this word self-supporting ministry. You know why? You can't support yourself. You know, the Lord taught me that when when the Lord transitioned us to where we live in Wisconsin, because we had to move again and we live on 22 acres. I was in the shower. That first week that the Lord had put us on this beautiful property, nice home and all. And I got in the shower and I was like, Lord, thank you for the self-supporting work. And and the Lord said, David, you cannot support yourself. He said, this is a God-supported ministry. He said, you must remember that when you try to support yourself, you'll be supporting yourself. And you're going to have a hard time. He said, but if you allow me to support this ministry and be the one that directs the course of your life and your ministry, great things will happen. So he said, stop calling this a self-supporting ministry. I'll tell you more of the story the next time we get together. The Lord, in one week, at the last moment when all of my money ran out, poured $20,000 miraculously. Into my hands. So that I could close out on the piece of property where he wanted me. 
And it was after I had put what I thought was enough money aside to keep myself safe for three years. The Lord stepped back and said, really, you think you have this thing figured out? And by his divine grace, he moved in ways that that money within a short period of time was gone. And then the Lord said, now what are you going to do? Is that something? And I turned to heaven and I said, Lord, there's only one way, one place I can go now. I can't support myself any longer. He said, now you're ready, aren't you? I said, please. Wife, four kids. I said, Lord, I don't want to be living on the street. And as I was praying that prayer, my, my wife said, listen, don't worry. If the Lord wants us to live on the street, at least we have him and one another. Isn't that beautiful? In a short period of time. $20,000. And I'll share the story with you the next time we meet. Because at the last moment, the Lord then dropped another 2000 Listen to what Paul says. He says, and God is able to make all grace upon, uh, bound towards you. That you always having what? All sufficiency. And all things may have an abundance for every what? Good, good work. Everything comes from God. So here we are. Here we are. Okay, I've been over preaching for 27 minutes. I got 45. And so I think that we can proceed on time. Listen to what the Bible says here in Luke chapter 17, 26 to 30. And as it was in the days of what? So it will also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, and to what? The day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed how many of them? All that were not moved by the Spirit, that not surrendered their lives to the Lord. Are you following me? Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot. Isn't this something? Jesus uses Noah and he also uses Lot. And we're going to be focusing on, for the next two, three meetings, on Lot's life. It says they ate, they drank, they brought, they sowed, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, and we're going to look at the, at the, at the next meeting, Lot went out of Sodom. And we look at the details of how Lot went out. And what was going on in his heart. And what he lost and what he didn't gain. As it was in the days of Lot. It rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. He said, even so shall be. In the day when the Son of Man is revealed. You see, God had spoken to Noah prior to the day of Lot, didn't he? And he said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. And before the days of Lot were the days of Noah. Didn't we just read that? And in the days of Noah, Noah proclaimed a message to the world that a flood was coming and many, with the exception of eight people, did what to that message? Did they accept it or did they reject it? Okay, the flood comes and eight people are saved, right? And then afterwards we have Abraham, you know, we have a generation comes and Abraham, and we look at this, you know, the next time we meet, Abraham comes around and he takes his nephew with him. God calls him, right, out of where he's at in Babylon. He calls him, he says, Ur of Chaldeas. He calls Lot out, he calls Abraham out. Abraham takes his nephew Lot with him. Are you following me? Okay. 
And the Bible tells us, likewise as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. And if you read the account in the book of Genesis, as Lot is living and choosing, and we'll look at this in the next message, Lot chooses, doesn't he, to move into the area of Sodom and Gomorrah. He does that intentionally. He says, I want to live towards that city. And the Bible tells us there in Genesis that that the men in that city were evil. Now listen very closely to the atmosphere and the thinking concerning the people in the days of Lot. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? Listen to what we're told in the book, Page of Prophets. In Sodom, there was mirth and revelry, feasting and drunkenness. Huh. Didn't Jesus say that that's what way it would be coming from man? Watch this. The vilest and most brutal passions were unrestrained. The people, the people openly defied God, his law, and delighted in the deeds of violence. Though they had before them the example of the antediluvian world, they knew that the world had been destroyed by what? Are you following me? Are you with me? And although they understood that that took place, something happened in the hearts of man, didn't it? Didn't it? They, although they knew that because of the because of, of wickedness and violence and vile living and ill passions, the the, the anti-deluvian world, the world before them, had been had been destroyed by a flood. They still reverted back to that type of behavior. Are you following me? Isn't that the way that we're living today? Don't people hear about the second coming of Christ and, 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 and hear about the things that have happened before in the past in the Bible, and the word of God, and that Jesus is coming again? And knew how the wrath of God had been manifested in their destruction, yet they followed in the same course of wickedness. I have plenty of time. I've been up here 33 minutes and 5 seconds. I have 45 minutes or 40 Watch this. When the men from Sodom and Gomorrah came to Lot's house because they knew that the angels were there. You remember the story. There's two angels. Since I have time, let's turn to Genesis 19. Genesis 19. Verse 11. Let's start at verse 9. And they said, these are the men from Sodom and Gomorrah, right? They've come to Lot's door. Stand back. Then they said, this one came in to stay here. And he keeps acting as a judge. They're talking about Lot. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down the door. Do you see what's happening? These men with their vile passions. Seeking to have intimacy with other men said, Lot, get out the way. And they pressed the door. 
I had a friend from Chicago that recently gave his heart to the Lord because something similar that's happened in the city of Chicago. He had left the Lord for some time. This was back in 2016. He and I, I, was, I, you know, I shared with him the gospel and he came back to the Lord and then he, he departed in 2016. Watch what happens. He's living in Chicago. He's working. And one evening, two men come to the door. And they knock. And they say, hello, we're your neighbors. And watch, listen to what they say to my friend. Hey, do you think that the three of us, three men, that maybe we can have some, a good time together? And he said, what would make you think that I would do something like that? They said, we've been watching you. And we just feel that perhaps you would want to interact with us in that manner. He told them, I want you to step back from my door or I'll call the police. He shut his door. And he said he was impressed by God. You need to come back to me, my son. At that same time in my own life, in 2016, you know, what, you know what's happening in my life? I woke up one morning. Follow this. I woke up one morning and the Lord told me, Hey, David, you think this world has 20 years? I know some of you look at me and say, No, nah, the Lord doesn't talk to you. And I said, Huh? And my son walks in the room. And I said, Hey, Joshua. He goes, I said, How old are you? He said, I'm 19, going to be 20. And the Lord said, do you see how fast that went by? I said, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? He said, I'm coming soon. It brings tears to my eyes. He said, David, you're just going with the flow. You're just doing this pastoring thing, and you're just, you know, you're acting like we got a long time. And so you're just planning and planning and pastoring and planning. And he goes, I'm coming soon. My wife can tell you that I began to get my life ready for the second coming of Jesus. One thing that I almost got involved in, listen to this, was spiritual formation. I almost got involved in that stuff. Are you following me? Because I said, well, I got to get myself ready. And I looked up and it seemed like it was Adventist. My wife can tell you this is for real. As I was looking up that, looking up spiritual formation and was going to get involved, supernaturally things started to pop up on my computer opposing what I was researching. Are you following me? And I called my wife and I said, come, 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 come here. Look at this. Look, 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 look. So I said, do you see all this popping up on my screen? It is speaking against spiritual formation and I don't know where it's coming from. It's just popping up. It was the Lord telling me, you leave that stuff alone. Isn't that something? And so I backed up and I said, okay, so Lord, what do I do? He said, let me, let me tell you what you need to do and I'll give you this story another time. He said, you need to get to understand the message of righteousness by faith. And in two, 2016, I started to preach the message of righteousness by faith. And like every four, as the Lord was teaching me the message. I thought I knew the message. I didn't know much. <laughs> the Lord was teaching me. I said, I, I didn't know half of this. Are you following me? I started to preach that message and I started to get in trouble. But it was okay. <laughs> Are you following me? That is the same time that my friend 
Are you following the story now? Pushed those men out of the front of his door. And as he was thinking, the Lord spoke to him and said, you know who you need to talk to? David Guerrero. He called me. Are you following the story? He called me and said, you know what? God told me to call you because you knew what's going on. I said, what are you talking about, Jerry? And he told me, this is what's going on in my life. I said, the Lord is coming soon. That was almost how many years ago? Now watch this. We got a few more slides. I got okay, 39. Okay. The Bible says in Genesis 19.11 that the angel did what? They smote the, the men that were at the door of the house with what? And is that true? Yeah, the Bible tells us that the angels smote, right, those men with what? Blindness, both small and great, so that they weary trying to find the door. The Bible, this is what this verse means. This is what the Bible is saying. That although they were struck with blindness, they were still looking to get into the door. They got tired, right? Because they were blind. But they were still trying to get in. Are you following what the Bible is saying here? Now watch what happens. Listen to the commentary from patriots and prophets. Look at it closely. Had they not been visited with double blindness... But the, but the Bible said blindness. Are you following that? Double blindness. Watch what double blindness means. Being given up to the hardness of their heart, the stroke of God upon them would have caused them to fear and to desist from their evil work. If you're following the text, the double blindness is this. There was the physical blindness and there was the spiritual blindness. Because their hearts were what? Hardened. And had they not been so spiritually what? Blind. When the physical blindness came, what would have happened? They would have woke them up. Listen to what she says. Watch what she says. Look at the quote. That last night was marked by no greater sins than many others before it, but mercy. So long what? Slighted had at last ceased its pleading. See, God was extending mercy to the people in Sodom and Gomorrah. To the example of the antediluvian world, they had heard about Abraham and his works. God had been pleading and pleading and they just finally said, leave us alone. Are you following that? Double blindness. The inhabitants of Sodom had passed the limits of divine forbearance. And then God then destroyed that city. You say, where are you going with this? My question to you is this. Are you, am I, on the brink of double blindness? Has God been pleading with you and me for so long? And yet we think we can live like we're living and do what we're doing. Get up 
every morning and just go through the same motions and just go through just being Christians and doing church and think that the last minute we're going to say, okay, now, Lord, we're going to join the ranks of your people. Could it be that we, too, are on the brink of experiencing double blindness? Are you following the thought? So what are we to do in closing? One, we need to once again invest in our first love. Are you following me? The Bible says, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent. What, what must we do? We must repent and do the first what? Works. Or else I will come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. Unless we do what? Repent. My friends, I would encourage you to invest, number one, invest in your first love. My wife says that the atmosphere of the church is so frigid. Its spirit is of such an order that men and women cannot sustain or endure the example of primitive and heavenly piety. The warmth of their first love is frozen in us, and unless they are warded by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, their candlestick will be removed out of its place, except they repent and do its first works. The first works of the church were seen when the believers sought out friends, relatives, and acquaintances with the hearts overflowing with love. They told the story of what Jesus was to them. Number two, invest in personal study and application of God's word through the power of the Spirit. Are you following me? Invest what? What's the first thing? Invest in our first love. Let's fall in love with Jesus again. And then let's get into the word. And apply God's word to our lives. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the truth. The Bible says that whoever keeps his word, what happens through the love of God is perfected in them. By this we know we are in him. Number three, invest in dedicate, dedicated time of daily prayer. You know we don't pray like we ought to pray. You heard me? Invest more time in prayer. Invest your time in your first love. That's Jesus Christ speaking first love. Invest in studying in the word. Time in getting the word. Invest time where? Where? In prayer. As my brother said earlier, he said, prayer is the key, the hand of faith to unlock heaven's storehouse where are treasured, where are treasured the boundless sources of omnipotence. We want God to move in our experience. We need to start doing what? We need to start I'm going to read to you in your hearing this quote. When I'm done, I'm going to pray. This is in the chapter, The Pearl of Great Price. Listen closely. I'm not going to put it up on the screen. She says, then the glad tidings of a risen Savior were carried to the uttermost bounds of the inhabited world. Are you following me? The church beheld converts flocking to her from all directions. Did you just hear what was just said? They had converts coming where? In. Believers were reconverted. 
Sinners united with Christians and seeking the pearl of great price. The prophecy was fulfilled. The weak shall be as David and the house of David as the angel of the Lord. Zechariah 12, 8. Every Christian, listen to this, please. Every Christian saw in his brother the divine similitude of benevolence and love. Wow. Now watch what she says. Are you ready for the next sentence? One interest prevailed. One subject followed, swallowed up every other. Where do we find that? She says, back then, one interest prevailed. One subject swallowed up every other. Later on, she, was, she, she would say in her writings that one interest shall prevail. One subject shall swallow up every other. Christ our righteousness. The message of Christ's righteousness had taken over the early church. Isn't that something? I'll keep reading. All hearts beat in harmony. The only ambition of the believers was to reveal the likeness of Christ's character. And to labor for the abiding and reflecting of Christ's character and the enlargement of his kingdom. The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. With great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was given to them all. And the Lord added to the church daily such as would be saved. The spirit of Christ animated the whole congregation. For they had found the pearl of great price. These scenes... Are to be repeated. Hallelujah. And with greater power. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In the day of Pentecost. Was the former rain. But the latter rain will be more abundant. Now how does this happen? Look at the quote there. I'm going to say this. And then we'll close and pray. This is how this happens. Listen closely. I know that now we're being recorded. And this is going perhaps worldwide. Let it go wherever God wants it to go. If I get in trouble, so be it. They don't know where I live yet. Not upon the ordained minister only rests the responsibility of going forth to fulfill the gospel commission. Did you carry that? The gospel commission was given to who? To who? To who? Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And the next word is what? Baptize. Who does the baptizing in our church? Who? Are you sure that that's the only person that should be doing it? Not according to the word of God. And I'm a pastor. But according to what the scripture says, every member should be doing what? We have held back the work, my friends. Because everybody in this room should be doing what? That's what the Bible said, right? And now I'll be getting a phone call soon. Everyone who received Christ is called to the work of the salvation of his fellow man. The spirit and the bride said, come and let him that here comes. The charge to give the invitation includes the entire church. Everyone who has heard the invitation is to echo the message. From the hill and valley saying, come. It is a fatal mistake to suppose the work of the soul saving depends only upon the ministry. The humble, consecrated believer upon whom the mass of the vineyard places a burden for soul is to be given encouragement by the men upon the Lord. Uh, excuse me, upon the men. Uh, encouragement by the men upon whom the Lord has laid larger responsibilities. Are you following that? 
Those who stand as leaders in the church are to realize that the Savior's commission is given to all who believe in his name. God will send forth into his vineyard many who have not been dedicated to the ministry by the laying on of hands. I think you cannot get any more plainer than that. We've been hindered. As it was in the days of, so shall it be. The coming of the man. It's my desire today to reinvest in my love for Jesus. What about yours? My desire to invest in prayer. It's my, it's my desire to invest in getting to the word of God like never before. And it's my desire to invest in the gospel commission the way the Lord has ordained it. So help me God. But is it your desire? Because that's the only way the work can do what? Move forward. If we don't proceed the way God wants us to proceed, the very rocks will cry out. The Bible doesn't say this, but, but, and I don't think it will happen this way, but someone is going to do the baptizing. And this world is going to get finished. And the work in the world is going to get finished. Is it your desire today to start moving in the direction that God wants you to move? If so, why don't you stand with me? Or kneel with me if you like as we pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I've taken a moment or two longer than perhaps was arranged. But this is not by human design or human intelligence, although you want us to design things and be intelligent, that this work takes place. Oftentimes, all the time, it takes place by your spirit. We would just yield ourselves to you. And today, Lord, on this campus, we who are here, we just look up to heaven and say, Lord, we want to reinvest our lives into the work and ministry of God. We want to reinvest ourselves to get in, to fall in love with Jesus unlike ever before. Father, we want to invest our time in the, into the word of God. We want to invest our time into prayer and, let, and just allow God to move the course of our lives. And Father, with no disrespect intended to anyone, we just want to engage in the gospel commission as you call us. And as we do this as a people, as a church worldwide, may we see the hand of God move upon each one of us and we can then spread God's message of mercy to a lost and dying world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.